Moncrief on News Talk. You are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. It is indeed time for parenting. Joanna Fortune joins us once again. Afternoon, Joanna. Afternoon, Sean. Uh, right, here's your first question. My eldest daughter, who's six, is having a very hard time participating in activities outside of school. She's currently enrolled in drama, swimming, and tennis, and, ha- and has at least one good friend in each activity. She's always been somewhat reluctant to participate over the years, butterflies in the tummy, but lately it has escalated to the point of tears and refusing to go. When she does manage to take part, she enjoys it and comes out skipping and glad she did. But it still doesn't change the beginning of the next activity. Often I'm at the side of the pool giving lots of encouragement or even taking part in the tennis lesson as this is the only way to get her to start the activity if she does it at all. She is a shy little girl and has often struggled at the beginning of almost all social interactions, e.g. meeting her grannies, cousins, friends, going to school, birthday parties, etc. Her little sister arrived two months ago and we noticed this hesitation escalating a lot about a month before she arrived any ideas what this could be down to? I think you've answered <laughs> that. <laughs> I think you have because in the month before you had your new baby and congratulations, you became less available to her at that time because you have to. You know, mm. that's at that stage of your pregnancy, you're really going inwards and preparing for your new baby. And physically, you would have been restricted as much as everything else. And since then, because you are now postpartum. So there's a whole lot going on there for her. But even aside from that, that might provide context for this escalating. And I think it really does, by the way. Mm. Um, but you're saying that you know you know her so well, like your letter just describes her so well. I feel like I know her after reading mm. it, that she is innately shy. Mm. It's nothing wrong with that. That's part of her personality. That's part of who she is. And you talk about how she'll often struggle at the beginning of almost all social interactions, even with extended family, which yeah. is a safe enough, familiar mm. group of people. And then when you talk about the butterflies in her tummy and particularly around that point of separation where she leaves you and she goes into the activity, even though logically, you know, and the person facilitating it reassures you she's fine. And then you see the evidence because she's happy coming out. Yeah, There's a degree of anxious anticipation in that, isn't there? There is that bit of, <gasps> you, yeah. will it be okay? I don't know. And then, oh, it is okay when you get in there. And really what you're trying to do is support her through that little phase of anxious anticipation. And look, at I've said it before, but usually it comes up around back to school time, you know, when you're doing the special handshake with her, the little hearts on your wrist and her wrist, giving her um, even just a hanky that you've sprayed with your perfume so it smells of you, so it can be in her pocket, that she simply knows it's there. A little transitional object, you know, something, mm. even one of those key rings you can put a photo in, you know, those little clear plastic ones you get in the photo printing shops and you know you could put a photo of you and her in it and she could just simply have that on her bag on the zip of her bag or in her pocket and it's there as a little talisman that if she's missing you she can hold it she can look at it and it could provide just some anchoring and grounding because just that anticipatory anxiety it's it's kind of like if you think about it, it's kind of like being anxious about being anxious, yes. you know, and so there's no <laughs> yeah. logic or reasoning to it. And you, if someone says, what are you anxious about? The honest answer is, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm just anxious about the fact that I'm anxious, actually, and not knowing can even make it feel worse. So don't push it. What's up? What's up? What's up? Accept it for what it is. But in her case, it is sounding situational and specific to social events. So it's not an 
anticipatory anxiety that's there all the time. It is situational and that's just information to hold in mind. You know, her actual experiences then are better than what she's anticipating. So you have that bit going on there as well. So it tends to go, this type of anxiety, I mean, when the event you're worried about is over. Yeah. It, it isn't a constant. It's just that hers is situational to all social activities. So it feels like it's there a lot, mm. but it is still situational. So a couple of things you could try. I mean, she might benefit, by the way, from a little bit of play-based therapy with a play therapist or something like that. Um, child psychotherapist could do something like that for you as well, just because it would help her to lower that anxiety without talking about it. Mm. Because I do think with anticipatory anxiety, sometimes talking about it can just rev it up, especially when you're this young. You could also do a lot of nurture play, a lot of um, sensory play, you know, really that kind of getting her out of her head, in other words, and into her body, slime, sand, water, bubbles, all the fun stuff, you know, getting outdoors, digging holes and just sitting and doing like little hand massages, holding her little hand in yours and using your other the index finger on your other hand to trace the lines on her palm and tell her this is your great friend line. And as you are, you're rubbing your finger along those lines. You're getting nice deep touch in there while holding her hand and giving her three to five positive things. This is your brave line because you're such a brave kid. This is your whatever line you want to put in there. Little bits of nurture play like that is really helpful. Getting her outdoors is a great way to reset a busy anxious, bubbling little brain, especially if she's had one of those episodes you're describing. Time outdoors, not just for a walk. That's not always that stimulating for children. Like doing something that she ends up running, jumping, climbing, getting some of that physical activity in there. And story play, sitting down and doing lots of small world, especially at the age she's at, she's right in that, getting the little characters to talk to each other, even they're not so obvious that it's definitely her, but little scenarios related to the situations you're experiencing. Make it relational, but not exactly what's happening verbatim with her. I think all of that type of play could be really helpful. Yeah. Though it sounds like that she's just shy, so there probably always will be an element of this I think, and exactly. But what you want with shyness is that it doesn't impede in your capacity to engage fully in your life, in your day-to-day activities. And I mean, she's got quite a bit on. I mean, it's funny, swimming is a great activity, but I I don't always count it as an extracurricular activity because it is a life skill as well, you know. Um, (laughs) But the drama and the tennis, like she has a good range of things going Mm, on there. mm. The drama is going to be really good for her as well, especially if she'll go in just really trying to reassure her around the point of separation and practicing those points of separation. You know, the book Invisible, The Invisible String, we often mention it actually when we're talking about somebody moving away or even bereavement. But actually, it's a really nice book to think about when you're even looking at separations and letting her know, you know, when you go in there, we're still connected through this invisible string from my heart to your heart. And that could be really reassuring. So getting that book and reading it with her could be really nice. Mm. Uh, somebody's texting it and now I don't think it uh, it doesn't sound like it relates directly to children but uh, um, I'm reading a book called Quiet by Susan Cain Great insights into the world of introversion and extroversion. Yeah. Highly recommended. Actually uh, that has popped up in a few of my recommended reads recently oh, so yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, right. My, fa- uh, my son is five and has become fascinated with his penis. He has an older sister and a brother, and since they were all very small, we use the correct names for their body parts. We talk about how some things are private, 
and not to be shown to anyone else outside the family, etc. However, for the last two months, he's asked a million questions about it and is constantly playing with it, even though his trousers are worse still, hand down his pants. He doesn't even realise he's doing it half the time. He's in junior infants and his teacher told me he's trying to talk to the other boys about it and he's shown uh, his to them uh, in a playful manner, but the other boys were horrified. What else can I do to explain to a five-year-old why his obsession isn't shared by the rest of the world around him? <laughs> it's quite embarrassing. Uh, start of a, a lifetime love affair. I'm glad uh, you said that. Yes. <laughs> I was like, yeah, he's only five. That mm. doesn't mean he'll outgrow this anytime soon. But you know what? It's really great that you have already introduced appropriate body part language mm. and concepts like body privacy. You've already done that. So this isn't a new conversation you're starting. What you're going to do now is return to it and advance that conversation to include body hygiene, self-touching, body boundaries, his own and other people's, by the way. Mm. And this whole idea of you don't cross people's body boundaries and asking them about their private parts or asking to see their private parts, that's crossing their body boundary. We don't do that. Yeah. So you... You're gentle yet firm is really what I'm saying. You're not going to shame him because clearly that's not. And the way you've introduced these concepts already shows that you're not approaching it in a shame based way. But you're not going to describe that's dirty or naughty or any language like that at all, because we don't want children thinking that about their bodies. But at this young age, and he is only five, Mm. like he's really young, children explore their bodies. It's what they do. And they do it with curiosity and they do it through touch. You know, they poke, they pull, they rub, body parts, all of the above. And if they happen to discover that this is pleasurable touch, then they are going to repeat it. Of course they are. So it's really important that we hold in mind that with children this age, this is not sexually motivated touch. Mm. It's driven by curiosity and it may even be motivated at times by self-soothing, feeling a bit tired, feeling a bit unwell, you know, and this feels nice and comforting to do. You d- with the body hygiene piece, you do want to be very clear with him if he's doing a lot of this touching that he washes his hands before yeah. and after touching his body always. The risk of an infection is also what I'd be thinking about there. You do talk and it sounds like you have again, you're returning to this that we only touch our private parts in private places. So our bedroom and name it. Don't be vague about that. Like tell him where you don't do it in the sitting room. You're not doing it in front of other people. It's a private thing. And then going back to respecting body boundaries that we don't want to make anybody else feel uncomfortable or give them an uh oh feeling by asking them questions about their private parts because they're private. Yeah. And just putting that boundary, particularly that it has come up in school and enough that the teacher has mentioned it to you because teachers don't react to everything that comes up once off in class, Mm. okay? So it was enough for the teacher to say, I do need to bring this to your awareness. I think, um, you know, while children are very interested and curious about their own bodies, it's really natural for them to be equally interested in other people's bodies. There's nothing wrong with him being interested in his peer group's bodies. I'll show you mine if you show me yours, because actually I just want to see, is this how it is for everyone or Mm. are things different? You know, and their their curiosity around looking at other people's private parts is all part of learning about himself, about others, the world around him. So a lot of what he's doing is very developmentally natural. It's really now about boundaries and putting those in place in a gently worded yet firm way we don't do it. You're not to do that in school. Yeah, but it sounds like they've tried that already. So can uh, uh, this is a, a message that has to be repeated. Repeated. 
absolutely repeated. Don't forget he's only five. Yeah. So if you tell and you think, gosh, I nailed that. I was super clear. Like, you know, I really <laughs> nailed. I'm delighted with myself. And you walk away going job done. And then you're like, oh, two days later, they're doing the exact same thing. Children learn through repetition. It's why they repeat touch. It's why they repeat everything they do. They need to hear the same message in a clear, calm, consistent way. Yeah. Because I suppose many of the adults around them, why they wouldn't want the teacher and obviously the parents are are, are going, this is a big deal. Um, But... He doesn't think it's a big deal. Oh, it's not a big deal for him at all. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's why you don't want to shame him. And suddenly he goes, "Oh, is there something wrong?" Or make it such a big deal that it's super intriguing now. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) you just you know you. That's why you approach this in a direct way, but you know, letting him know where he can be curious about his body as well as where he can't. Yeah, it's interesting the the self soothing aspect of this. In that you know, many people listening are going, you know, you go around, you see fourteen year old boys. With tracksuit bottoms doing exactly, is that self-soothing as well? It can be. It can be more of a habit. It can be just that kind of mind. It's mindless. I think even that's what this parent is saying here is it's mindless. Mm. He's not even aware that he's doing it. And I I think, you know, that's the intrigue. It's it's right there. It's available to be touched. And I think it's very hard to sometimes resist that. If you're tired, if you're just distracted, if you're preoccupied with something else and your mind is wandering, that's when you're most likely to see it. Yeah, though, as you say, wash your hands, people. Uh, my, my son called his penis his python from the age of seven. <laughs> Obsessed is an understatement. He's 26 now. He's still at it. Wow. He will love you sharing that okay, with us. Okay, that must have, been a, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> must have been a great, every time he met a granny, that must have been an interesting <laughs> conversation. Yeah, my 14-year-old daughter has had a lovely group of friends since they were about seven. We live in a small town, so they all went from uh, the local primary school to the local all-girls secondary school. Everything was fine until about the end of September this year, when suddenly my daughter was being left out of things. She'd see the others posting on Snapchat about a day trip to Galway together on a Saturday, but she wasn't asked to go. On another occasion, they arranged a sleepover, but didn't invite her, even though she'd been to many sleepovers with them in the past. She's really hurt and it's impacting her self-confidence. I've encouraged her to ask them if anything is wrong, but they gaslight her and make up excuses for why she wasn't asked or say, we didn't think you'd want to come. I'm so angry with them for doing this. I also know they're teenagers, and this is uh, almost to be expected, but how do I support my daughter who's feeling very alone and unwanted? I'd ho- I hoped she would find a new circle of friends over the last while, but she's spending her lunch break in the library on her own and runs out of school as soon as the bell goes. Do I speak to the other girl's mothers? Will that make it worse if I'm seen to be trying to fix it for her? Oh, this is such yeah. a familiar question for me. And, you know, the summer between first and second year, so right, I would include the September because that's just the back to school time, is such a huge change developmentally, especially for girls this age, where some of them seem over that summer between first and second year to think they're 26 when they get back into second year. And some of them are still very much 13, 14. Mm. And so you see previously close friendships and connections really can change seemingly quite abruptly. Yeah. You know, and losing friendship at this age is a huge loss. Like this isn't a casual light thing. And I totally get and you're on the right track. You know, this this parent saying and clearly your daughter talks to you a lot, by the way, which is great. Well done. You keep that. Keep those doors of communication open with this, because at least she's not totally isolated within this 
pushing yes. out. Yeah. She is talking to you about it and what they're saying. But you're saying, I hope she would, you know, get new friends. Absolutely, you're on the right track. However, it's still very early days. We're only in December. She This began to happen, you're saying, late September. Things were fine until mm. then. This is still very raw and recent. And she has to almost just process the loss of her friendship group that she's had for seven years. Christ. Half her life. God, yeah. And so she's not going to be able to just quickly switch into a new group of friends. That I would keep that as a gentle encouragement and look for opportunities. But I also just think that Look, at you could speak with the other girls' mothers, but I don't know that that would necessarily be a resolution here because you, it, by forcing them to include her again, mm. it may still result in a very tokenistic friendship yeah. and she would still feel awkward and unwanted. And now the, she's almost an obligation to the other girls. So it's not going to feel authentic and it's not going to be the friendship she had. Yeah. So I'm not sure if it's the right thing. And I, your daughter, Daphne, I, well, I'm imagining she won't want you to do that. But, you know, again, I would agree, as I said, with encouraging those new connections. But because it's raw and recent and actually because it sounds she's eating on her own in the library, like her self-esteem has taken quite a bashing in yeah. recent months that she may not have it in her to initiate new connections yet. I'm wondering, could a teacher, and you'll know exactly if there is a teacher that comes to mind or a year head who might be particularly compassionate and aware, um, if they could discreetly facilitate an assignment with other kids, you know, put her into a group Teachers know the kids in front of them. They're like, you know, she would fit well with these kids. Yeah. She would get on. If that could be almost orchestrated to give her a reason to sit with other kids over lunch to work on a project or to talk about things. If you could enlist some support like that, it might be more helpful. In the meantime, because you're asking what to do, provide lots of comfort and empathy, especially after school. I just have this vision of this kid waiting for that school bell and rushing mm. out the door to get back in the car and just exhale, you know, oh, it's done. I'm home. So don't be asking too much about how was school? Did you eat with anyone? Did you sit in your own? Yeah. You don't ask too much about that. Trust your instinct. You'll know by her how school was. And maybe instead on the way home, say, I thought we'd go for a hot chocolate or a, a drink on the way home. You know, when you get in, chat have a snack ready for her, sit with her while she has a snack and just reconnect, get her into that zone of optimum arousal really with you. I would ask, and we're coming up to the Christmas break, so it might be a good time to do it actually, if there's anyone in her class that she would like to invite over for pizza yeah, before yeah. they have their Christmas break, even and say to her, look, why not a couple of kids that wouldn't typically be coming over, but mm. you would like to ask over for some pizza. And if she says no, just say, OK, just so you know, you can always do that mm. and you can revisit it. But for now, I'd be focusing on her self-esteem, involve her in things. Again, this is a good time of year. There's loads of things to be done, tasks to be done. Involve her actively in that. Give her specific praise for the effort she makes in doing things with you, be that decorating, be it dropping off, donation of goods to a local shelter or anything like that. Whatever she's doing, involve her and praise those efforts. Listen to her, like truly listen to her, delight in what she's saying and let her know how interesting she is. Because that's going to put her in the way of pursuing people yes. who are interested yeah. in being with her and reinforcing that she is an interesting kid. Have fun, laugh together, even mm. if it's watching Elf on TV or yeah. something. Just have a laugh. Pull in older peers or, you know, you might have an older cousin or older friend of a friend's daughter, you know, that kind of a thing where somebody else could come and just chat with her. Mm. take her out for a walk and say, yeah. look, I've been through something similar. 
give her that ear because she might take it easier from an 18-year-old cousin sure, than yeah. an adult. You yeah. know, of course you love me. Of course you think I'm yeah. great. Somebody else who could help and chat. I think those are just some practical things to do. Yeah. Uh, someone says, my daughter went through something similar. I found getting her into activities mm-hmm. outside of school really helped. Always she helpful. Fa- she found a new group of friends in Camogie. Uh, and someone else says, uh, who's a teacher, says the school should be able to help with the isolation part. But I think actually, as yep. uh, Joanna already uh, alluded to that. Uh, right. Next question. This is I don't think we've ever had this kind no, of a question haven't. before. It's yeah. usually the opposite. I'd like Joanna's advice about how to tell our children that we're getting back together. My ex and I broke up when the kids were five, three and two. He was having some very serious mental health difficulties that he tried to manage with alcohol and he'd become quite chaotic and irresponsible, so I made the decision to leave him. The kids have always seen him regularly and after a while he did get treatment and he's been sober and well for about seven years Mm -hmm. now. Lately, we've been dating on the QT again. I never stopped loving him despite the challenges and over the last six years we've grown close again and last weekend we decided to give it another go properly. The kids are now 14, 12 and 11, so they only really remember us as single parents. They have always known that dad had some challenges, but they're really proud of him. Is there a way to bring dad back into the house? How interesting. It's such an interesting question. And seven years sober and well, good for good yeah, for him. That's yeah. a huge achievement. And it sounds like you had a really good co-parenting relationship yeah. over all of these years, even through the turmoil before things stabilised. The key with this, Sean, is the two of them have to first discuss what message are we giving our kids? And what I mean by that is, are you going to say we're back together mm. or we're dating or we're starting something new? What's the message? Okay. Because yeah. if you say we're back together, But what you really mean is, well, we're working towards that and we're not at that stage yet, but we don't want to be doing it in secret. That's a different message for those kids. Mm -hmm. Okay, so be really clear about what the message is. And then when the two of you have worked that out, then you sit together so that the kids are hearing it from both of you at the same time. You share it in a succinct kind of matter of fact way. Um, It lets them know what's happening, but it gives plenty of space for them to react. Now, be prepared because of the age they are now for the how does this affect me Mm, type of response. Not so much how are you guys doing with this, but how (laughs) is this impacting me? Because if, you know, depending on where you both were living, if I had friends near dad's house, that because when I was there, am I not going to see them anymore? Or does this mean we won't get to whatever liberties we had with each parent? Mm, yeah, that we yeah. won't get to do that. Does it mean that I'm not getting separate gifts now mm. for Christmas and birthday? All of the practical things that kids can ask you at this age, just have answers. And it is okay, by the way, for the answer to be, great question, I don't know. Yeah, We're still yeah. working that part out. Do you know, you've asked us something we hadn't considered, so I'm not going to give you an answer until your dad and I or your mom and I have spoken about it. Yeah. Okay? So it is okay to say that. And remember when you talk to your children, you're not asking their permission to get back together. That's an adult decision and it's already been made, actually. Mm. But you are open to their thoughts, their feelings, their fears, their worries. What if it doesn't work? What, how will we manage this? What's it going to be like having you both in the one house and let them know that this is something you're working out together. Also, you've got some teenagers. So I know you've been doing this on the QT for six months. 
it mightn't have been as QT as, as you, you thought. Okay, <laughs> so they they may not be shocked. Is the at least one of them <laughs> may not may be go, shocked? We thought it was Billy down the <laughs> road. You were saying, "Oh, it's Dad!" Oh gosh. So there could be a bit of that. So yeah. I think yes, talk to them, and you know the fact they have a good relationship with you both, and they've known you both to have a good relationship with each other is immensely helpful. But make sure you're you've got your facts yeah. and you're on the same page, and just what is it you're telling them. Yeah, it sounds actually a bit like it might be better to not like here's dad with his bags, but really oh, give them absolutely. A, a, give them a, a bit of time, a, a bit of time, so you can go through that process. Oh no, absolutely, it's not. We're back together, and your dad is living here from now. Yeah, because actually that that isn't giving them space to react. Mm. But just saying, you know, this is where it's at. You know, we have changed our relationship. We are it romantically involved. And we are getting back together. We are back together, whatever way you're going to word yeah. it. And we are working towards your dad moving back in again, if that's what you're talking about. Yeah, I guess dad will be there for Christmas. So I know, I know. And ultimately, sweet. this yeah. is a good story. These, yeah, you're sharing yeah. good news. It's just teenagers don't always find your good news great. It comes through the lens <laughs> of my impact first. Just hold that in mind. Uh, going back to that 14-year-old, uh, my heart breaks for that young girl. Mm. I had that happen in my adult life. It's never easy. I found speaking to people who'd been something similar yeah. a good way uh, to help cope or get over it. Uh, I, I was that 14-year-old. When I was 12 or 13, two friends broke up, best term, with me. Uh, they were uh, friends from play school and it was difficult, uh, but definitely uh, team activities in and out of uh, a school helped me big time. When I was never best friends now with either of them, I would say hi to them. Uh, went out and I'm now in my mid-30s. Yeah. Pain of that never goes away. It really doesn't. And that's yeah. why it is about the self-esteem impact and building that back up. Yeah. And the, the new connections and friendships will come from that. But I love all the calling for uh, group activities outside of school. That is always important that kids have peer connections outside of their typical school group. So there isn't all of the pressure on these are my only friends. Yeah. And on the, 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 the couple getting back together again, the worst part about explaining this to children is that they get their hopes up. Yeah. It adds extra pressure to the relationship. Make sure it's solid before you tell them. Uh, and that's from someone who it did work out for. Very pleased to hear that. That's great. Joanna, thanks a million. Thanks, As Sean. ever. Moncrief, weekdays at 2 p.m. on News Talk.